Hello, welcome back to another episode of the show. My name is Andre Vilak and we're shooting it out of an Airbnb in Camden Town, London. We have special guests, as always. They're rising film directors from Estonia. They go by Escobros. Welcome to the show. Oh, yes, baby. Thank you in for the, having us. Camden flat, yeah, we're like kings here. Yeah. Mad flexing Airbnb. So how's your morning been? Yeah, we already completed our morning workout. Uh, had some eggs and uh, ready to destroy. And destroy. that's all you need? Yeah, uh, like a clean foundation to any day is, is key. So let's dive right in. Uh, first of all, can you tell the audience uh, who you are and where you come from? Yeah, I'm Romet. This is Raul. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like uh, twin brothers and we make many cool things. Uh, yeah, we've actually been filming things since we was 10 years old when uh, when our bar- parents divorced and our mom bought us this small Sony Handycam and then we started making action movies in our living room. Yeah, you're taking us back to our childhood traumas. Oh. <laughs> so, so how did it start? You got your first camcorder and you just started shooting stuff? Yeah, it was like this small Sony Handycam and we had two more friends. We really liked Fast and Furious and all this kind of Hollywood action movies. And I guess we were trying to kind of recreate them in mm-hmm. some way. Was it something that you always wanted? Was that something that you asked for? Like, mom, can you buy me a camcorder? Or was it, did it come as a surprise? Actually, before that, we was like filming things with the uh, MacBook photo booth yeah. and also like the Nokia uh, button phone also oh. had a small camera. So we was making things with that all the time. But we didn't have a phone, so we was using our mom's phone. So I think that's why she bought the camera, because we was always using her phone. So your, your mom kind of saw that you have some interest in making stuff and making, you know sketches or films or yeah or she was just annoyed that we're always using her phone yeah it was this uh, <laughs> it was the blueberry phone and they had this function you can like film and stop and then keep filming yeah it was really nice we was doing like videos that like we film then we put it to stop and then we get naked and then we continue then <laughs> like this funny cut do you still have that footage did you upload it somewhere no then we didn't know anything about files or anything we have like maybe from when we was 12 years old we have some some skits yeah because i remember you know i i started that way as well i i had a camcorder and i would i would record stuff but i would i would never really know how to store it or you know i, I would just record it and next day start again start again and and i i still don't know where the footage is i, yeah. I think i lost it at some point yeah when we went to film school then we kind of started to understand that now we have like Back in Estonia, we have like a whole box full of uh, hard drives. I don't know, there must be like uh, almost 100 terabytes of things we have filmed. And that's from the early days as well? Yeah, no, I think that's from like when we were in film school. Yeah. Talking about film school, you know, in the world, I feel like especially in a small place like Estonia, you know, there's a lot of pressure from society to go for like a steady, stable career path. But you you decided to go to a film school and both of you. So how was it for the family? How was it for, was it like a shock? Was it something they, they were supportive supportive of or, or not really? Yeah, I think our mom is like our biggest fan and our dad is like our uh, main villain. <laughs> biggest hater. But no, yeah, it's not the strand- standards, like a steady, steady life path to go study filmmaking. 
mm-hmm. but I think we had we decided that if we do something for the rest of our life, it better be something we really like. There was the the thing that we liked the most. Was it expected of you, or did you have to like break the news and tell your parents that yeah, okay, that's what we want to do. We're gonna study film. Yeah, no, it was like the last moment when we told her that uh, we was forced to go. I was forced to go to this architecture like uh, school and got into both schools, film school and architecture. Oh. And then on the last day when you have to like decide, I was like, fuck it. Uh, we'll do this one, uh, film school. And you just went for it. Yeah. You know, but um, you guys are obviously twins, if anybody didn't notice. And you guys do most of the things together, but you did end up studying different subjects in film school, correct? Yeah. So what did you guys study? It's a strategic move. Uh, I did cinematography, romantic directing. Mm-hmm. But the end goal, we would like to be like co-writer, directors, but didn't make... Uh, any sense to study the same thing so it was like a strategic move that you're going to study this i'm going to study that and then we can you know learn all of that get home and share it between each other yeah we can be a two-man army okay with us it's always like uh, we have like this airdrop system that when i know something he already immediately knows it also (laughs) so it's this kind of like human airdrop or the cloud oh yeah yeah. cloud and it, every, everything you learn, everything you consume ends up automatically on that cloud and then the other twin can, oh, that's yeah. what I learned today. And I think uh, cine, cine work is like the hardest part of filmmaking. So it was humbling to learn like something that you can't really learn on your own. Yeah. Maybe like writing or, or editing seems like something you could pick up on YouTube or something. Do you feel now that one person has kind of more skills in one area and, you know, so kind of like if you, when you do your own projects and stuff, do you divide the, the work between you, like which is better at something? Yeah. Definitely. Like one of us focuses more on the visual and the other one like more on the narrative or the storyline of it. Mm-hmm. Or whenever we have like a bigger crew, then we kind of divide like who discusses with uh, some team members so we don't like cause a big mess but we can like divide and uh, like tasks in between us set of uh, skills that complete each other i think when for example i take some sort of mini tasks i get better in them role gets better in others and yeah some gets better yeah i think that's good you have that kind of team you can complement each other in that way in film school you got quite busy with your own projects and stuff so do you remember what was your first ever project you made from beginning to end? Yeah, before going to film school, we wanted to test if we could make a film by our own before going there. Then we made a 40-minute short film. Okay. Uh, it was about three best friends who travel uh, to the other side of Finland to find Bigfoot. Okay. But they find way more than that. It was like a classic indie road movie. And we actually took like two cars and drove... Uh, to the other side of Estonia and we was filming for seven days, I think. And that was before film school? Yeah. 
So did you guys feel that that came out well? As in, like, were you surprised at the result? I, I think till today, this is one of the best movies we have made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we didn't have, like, any idea about, like, shots or, like, uh, rules. Uh, I think that's why it was so good. Or, like, na- structure, like, three-act structure. Or but it that. still looks like a real movie or the way we, we had seen so many movies, you know. You kind of know that, okay, usually you see that whole house then you see like the guy then you see his face like this yeah yeah. just to like aim for those things but we didn't really know that each element usually has a purpose yeah they say that for example like when actors are going to drama school they say that they're looking for people who are the most like moldable so that's interesting that the first film you did was kind of um it was like innocent you didn't know the rules so you didn't follow them so you just created what you wanted you know if that makes sense so you you really trusted what you felt was right yeah i think in that sense film school was like successful in molding us into uh mainstream assholes <laughs> as we went further we kind of came back to what we originally moving towards that mm-hmm. not trying to like copy some sort of uh, financially successful model but rather like trying to perfect our own craft one of your very important projects in your career was a short film called Struck by Lightning, which uh, was a tribute to your dear friend who left this world far too soon. Do you feel comfortable talking about this and how did this grief give you inspiration to make this amazing tribute to your dear friend? Yeah, definitely. It was like one of our breakthrough works. And Brandon uh, was also the guy who we started off making uh, these handicam action films with. He was Uh mostly the main character in those short films. (laughs) So yeah, he inspired us a lot. And his passing also kind of like made us realize how precious life is. And he was always the one who was like pushing us to fuck architecture and logistics. Uh, You're going to go to film school because this is what you like doing. But why do you think the project was so successful? It's kind of funny. We made like a movie about our friend's suicide, but it's more of a comedy than like uh, something very serious. I think that's the way we see life as well. It's like uh, everything can be sad or it can be funny. came out very good because it's more of like a celebration of life. Yeah. It's like uh, it captures the essence of what Brenda was. It's like, one 17 minute movie but by watching it you can sort of like feel him inside it i think that's why it was successful a lot of uh, film school students try to make movies like try to come up with stories and like squeeze them out of nowhere but this wasn't like we was trying really hard to make something something but it was just like it, it happened and it had to be made like there was this story uh, which had to be told. Do you think that's kind of uh, the way you want to work in the future? Just tell real life stories or do you... Maybe to inspire and that movie also like... Uh, it was like about our best friend from childhood committing suicide and anybody who watches it uh, recognizes those patterns or maybe is more conscious when they see their friends struggling, Mm -hmm. but those friends maybe can't express themselves that well. Yeah, I guess when you're that young, it's so hard to kind of open up and, you know, reach out. And the hardest thing for us was to like let go that, oh man, we should have maybe been there or maybe it was like we could have done something. But what else came out of 
that project? You won awards? Oh yeah, we actually won the 2020 Estonian National uh, Short Film Award at Black Knight Film Festival. Mm. And then shortly after that one, we got a phone call from this uh, producer of California asking if we want to make our first feature. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, hell yeah, we're ready. Let's <laughs> and that, and was, that, and that was, was three years ago. And now we have shot our feature. So Yeah, that was second year of film school. We was 20 and then we started writing the feature. So he knew to trust you from that one one short film he saw. He thought we were geniuses for some reason. I guess he was right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your another film that you did. Your graduation uh, final project was a sci-fi short film called Twin Turbo. So how did you get in inspiration for that one? Like the first uh, year of film school, we was chatting with some guys. And one of the main reasons we went to film school was because our favorite movie was Fast and Furious, and we wanted to one day make something as cool as that. Mm -hmm. And then three years into film school, some teachers still were like mixing up our names and couldn't like tell the difference. And we thought it was so funny and wanted to make that into a movie. And then we kind of put those two things together, like Fast and Furious and... I was just checking, the, the frame border is pretty much next to the pop darts. I think if you lean forward this much, you'll be on the edge. Uh, a little technical comment. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Continue what with your saying, story. Yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> you were talking about Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The greatest franchise ever. You're an actor. Can you do a Vin Diesel impression? <laughs> Just be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to your other short films that you made, I've seen Twin Turbo and it does seem like it's one of your um, biggest projects in terms of short films. You had a lot of people involved, a lot of locations, a lot of actors. How did you make that happen? I think the main main power for it was like the power of, uh, power of will or uh, the power of imagination. I think uh, we first started like drawing out these pictures on on uh, paper, and then we could show others these pictures, and we we were so confident mm -hmm. that we can actually pull these off. And also, it was like one year after we had been selling books in America, and uh, that kind of also made us into like selling machines. But we wasn't selling books; we were kind of selling the idea of this really great movie. And that's how we was able to like get so many people involved because we was like uh, so convinced in our head that it's such a good idea. You went full on salesman with that one. Throughout film school, we had made like friends and done many projects. And then we started picking the most Avenger members into our crew. And then we put down like the heads of departments. Then they started getting uh, assistance. Then we started uh, DMing famous funny people and mm -hmm. then it just kept growing and growing. Okay. Did it grow bigger than you expected? I think I've heard that directors when they think of a movie they see it in their head and they can like actually realize perhaps like 30 or 40 percent of what they see in their heads. As epic this movie is I think in our heads it was even bigger. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We definitely uh, went beyond all our expectations. I think this was the biggest student short film ever made in Estonia. How did you get the, the funding 
Yeah, we did a crowdfunder. We got like 10,000 from there, but that's why we were able to do it on such a big scale that it was a student project. All the workers didn't get uh, paid. Okay. That's why also we had to be really good salesmen. There's going to be catering. So there's this huge project. <laughs> Transport is provided. And Can you come by bus as well? Okay, your latest and the biggest project uh, so far is your first feature film that you filmed the past summer. And it's called Two of Me and it'll come out in 2024. Can you tell us what was the film about? Yeah, it's basically like about what it feels like to be a twin. It doesn't have like any team or anything like that. It's more like one great adventure. Yeah, or a bit like a open buffet. You know, you can like, you can take like whatever you want on your plate, like sweets and sausage and yeah. And like if, if you get too full, it's kind of always your own fault. The movie is a bit like the story of our life, like our biopic. The logline is something like twin filmmakers making a movie about twins. How we started writing it was also like we, our first feature should be about some kind of topic that we know really well. And it mm -hmm. was like uh, twins. And uh, we researched or watched through most of movies about twins and realized that there haven't been many like authentic movies yeah. that kind of touch the core or what it actually feels like. How was it working on a feature compared to anything else? Yeah, after that, everything is easy now. It's been like a marathon. We had 25 days of shooting this summer. Was it stressful? We had been writing it for two years. So once you finally Since the get phone call. Yeah, and once you finally like see the scenes that have been on paper for two years, it's like the best feeling ever. And shoot days are always like magic because project goes into production. It's like you already know that this was good enough to go into production because mm -hmm. most or many projects don't end up being shot. And you got the phone call from the producer of California, as you said. So. Was the finding funding, was it easy? Did he do all that work? You didn't have to worry about that? Actually, that was a long journey as well. Uh, through Estonian Film Institute, it took many rounds and we had to pitch. Then we had to even shoot like a demo version of the movie, uh, based on which we got the funding. How did you get funding for that? There's like two rounds. One round is like for uh, development. This one also needs like a screenplay. We got funding for developing the movie. That money we used to shoot the pilot. One year later, we got the funding for production, basically. Yeah. And was that an exciting moment when you received the news? Then we went to a mini market, bought a bottle of uh, Fireball. For that money. <laughs> we had done this uh, thing that is like, it can feel stupid even. We wrote ourselves into our own movie. And then when we got the news, we was like, oh shit, now we actually have to act in our own movie and this had like few complicated scenes where we had to like uh, laugh and cry and do things that we usually we usually direct actors but yeah. now we had to be in the movie ourselves that was actually going to be my next question because you also acted in your film i understand that as directors you must have some sense of how acting works and how it should look but how is it to direct yourselves now we have a new sense of what it takes to be inside the uh, camera picture. Working with actors, we kind of knew that, okay, this can be, feel uncomfortable, but we had never had this feeling when you kind of do a take and then you're like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> this is so lame. <laughs> <laughs> and then the director comes, director is like, 
Yeah, it was almost pretty good, but let's try, let's try uh, adding more emotion. <laughs> I feel like that's what they always said. It was good, but let's do one more. I actually had the, we had the third director as well, Mel Baliale, who made this movie, Yeah, so he was directing us. An Estonian film. But his notes were always like, forget about the camera and just be ourselves. He was the main guy who helped you prepare for the role. Yeah, and also Merit and Pritpius, Estonian twin actors, they were also playing in the movie we met up the first time and they were kind of laughing at us we got in touch earlier and we was like hey guys we have this thing you're gonna have to help us uh, how to act <laughs> do us a crash course yeah. <laughs> we kind of had this issue we wrote the full feature film we accidentally wrote ourselves into it but we can't act <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you did a good job yeah i guess we're gonna find out next year estonian film institute gave us half million euros so we can't fuck this up <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that might be the beginning of your acting careers as well i think the movies we make they've been like strategic choices so far this this movie was like a strategic choice to prove that we can make a feature and to evolve our knowledge of what it takes to act. But definitely, if someone wants to cast us, uh, we're excellent stuntmen as well. We can punch and uh, jump. Yeah, I, I have a stunt double, actually. <laughs> I, I have one too. You get the actor, you also get the stunt double automatically. I can take the sex scene, Roll can take the... Getting beaten up. <laughs> the ass-fucking scene. <laughs> With the no, let's grab that. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this movie. That's your movie. I don't know what movies Roll is talking about. Okay, let's take you back. How did you guys decide that you want to go to the US to sell books? I think it was another phone call. I think you've heard of this, like, uh, pyramid scheme type organization, organization. <laughs> oh, that was southwestern that was the airdrop yeah. we were talking yeah. about it's called southwestern advantage they are like a branch in estonia as well there's guys who are on the phone call getting people hooked on the drug of uh, success and one of you just answered the phone and signed you guys up <laughs> yeah it was a really nice guy actually i don't know if you know this movie uh, rudy estonia movie yeah yeah the main character, the kid, really, he was our manager who recruited us, signed from the universe. He <laughs> <laughs> was quite sold immediately when we yeah. saw him. Mm -hmm. We didn't even like care too much about how hard the work is, but it would be fun to hang out with the whole summer with this guy. How was the work? Was it hard? Yeah, it was deadly, but it was like an adventure of a lifetime. That mm -hmm. also like uh, made us realize that selling books door to door is like the shittiest thing ever and would never want to do that so better make filmmaking work <laughs> i mean it can't be harder than selling books <laughs> like every day wake up at 6 50 push-ups cold shower breakfast head to the turf some days you would like wouldn't sell anything and would like knock on 300 doors and get like no after no so were there days when when you made nothing yeah but some days you could also make like a couple thousand if you okay. had like a really good set or a couple sets. So was it profitable? But yeah, we made some profit. We yeah. bought a laptop and had a lot of fun. You didn't just sell books, you also made a film there. Correct. Yeah. It's called Space Pussy 5000. What is that about? Uh, I think it's about hope. 
and suffering. Did yeah. you come up with that idea while we selling had, books? We had like a screenwriter back in uh, Estonia. But yeah, I think that was the movie that kept us alive the whole summer. But yeah, very many things inspired us to make that movie that we saw there. As we knocked so many doors, we got to meet so many people. And in the end, most of the people we met, we put into that movie. But how did you work with the, with the screenwriter? Before the summer, we was kind of like talking about what kind of story we want to do and then during the summer we had a couple calls and told him that like hey there's this lady looks like that we could maybe use her and then there's this funny street and there should be an alien definitely an alien okay so kind of you had a broad idea what's it gonna be yeah but besides making films you also have done a lot of commercials and music videos which ones do you enjoy making most music videos definitely i would love to do so much more what are the main differences between making a music video and like a movie for example movie usually has like a theme and a purpose commercials it's like the stories the product but music videos the product is kind of the song usually the way we approach it when we get demos or something we try to imagine what the sound frequency looks like as an image mm-hmm. or what the what the singer is trying to say i'd say it's um, a bit like commercial for an artist and you made a lot of music videos for a lot of well-known estonian artists do you think that's also kind of a strategic move that you get to make like a music video for a person with huge following let's say and show your craft and then it would reach more people and then you know it would get you more opportunities yeah definitely started cutting the music videos more when we made twin turbo and then uh, we kind of blew our budget and we was in like crazy debt like I was looking at the bank account and it was like minus 5,000 euros. We had to like do a lot of music videos just to like pay the bills for Twin Turbo. So did you just start DMing artists or how did you get your first music video gigs? Yeah, I think it's like a ranking for climbing the ranks. The first one we did was like uh, our high school classmate was a manager in Universal Music Estonia and was like... uh, saw the documentary and told us, hey guys, I need this for next week. Like you have to help me out shoot this music video. Send us the song. The song was garbage, but then <laughs> I checked out the girl's Instagram and she was so hot. I was like, Roman, we gotta shoot this one. <laughs> I played him the song, Roman was like, oh man, the song is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> No, it was actually a really good song. <laughs> no, but, uh, I guess we we discovered that we were pretty good at making music videos because we had already all the skills to make movies. But music videos were like easy compared to movies because mm-hmm. we was like felt comfortable making like cinematic frames and something that's like woo. Yeah, it's really easy, actually. If you've been filming things for a couple of years and you still can't produce a good-looking image, then... uh, (laughs) You're on the wrong path. (laughs) We were unknown at first, but we made way better music videos than, like, guys who'd been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, started making another one. Then we got invited to another party with more uh, famous Estonian singers. And then we, like... I think with two years, we reached all our dreams. <laughs> so while doing all these projects, your training never stopped. You did your BA in Estonia and then you moved to London and you've just finished your master's. 
So why do you think it was necessary to come to London and continue training if you were already making so much stuff in Estonia? I felt we were getting close to the ceiling in Estonia and need to like step step out. It's easy to become known in Estonia, but London is like the next next stage. Stage two. You know, when you play GTA 3 enough, you kind of memorize the map. You're like, okay, I know this. Well, I'd like to play GTA 4 now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was always your goal to expand outside of Estonia. Yeah, I guess our goal definitely is to reach like an international level of productions to do it worldwide. Yeah, I love that. I love ambitious people. What did you study here? I studied directing and role cine cinematography. Mm -hmm. So it was again another strategic move. Yeah. But how do you think UK training is different from the one you received in Estonia? Maybe Estonia was a bit more like art house. Estonia was like every element in a movie needs purpose and very long thoughts. But the UK was like shoot day you have an hour of rehearsals, hour of blocking, two hours of shooting, go. <laughs> okay. Where is your risk assessment? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's more fast paced. Yeah, like and industry is like quantity rather than quality. You know, in Estonia, you you had made all these connections and you've, you had reached some levels. So how have you managed to make new connections here? Is it harder or is it easier? Yeah, I would say Estonia is like life on normal modes, but here it's like hard modes because everything costs so much and it's so big. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, this London takes uh, definitely like uh, another level of grind mentality to survive here. Yeah, probably a bit more time just to get, get in and find those right people. Speaking about the right people, you know, I feel like oftentimes when, when you want to achieve something big, uh, you end up walking that road alone. For example, when I went to drama school, I had to leave all my friends behind, all my, all my family behind. And when I moved to London, I feel like it's, it's kind of hard as well to find people who are as ambitious and hardworking as I would love to be, you know. But you guys are very fortunate in that sense that you're twin brothers, you're both moving in the same direction. So do you feel like, do you feel comfortable having that kind of brother next to you walking the same road. Yeah, it's like superpower. But we also kind of feel like uh, life is like Yu-Gi-Oh! That when you have your monster cards, the more you sacrifice, the greater monster you can uh, summon. So like friends and family, more friends. The more friends you sacrifice, the greater of a monster you can summon in yourself. That's yeah. a good take, actually. <laughs> but actually, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? Sacrifice friend. all your friends. Yeah, you need to have <laughs> friends. Like we have Davi here with us in London. It's so much more fun when you have, like, your, your great people around you. But for us, yeah, I think we don't completely, like, understand what it is. We've always been together, but I think mm. it's, like, a hack in life. For example, like, when... Kids go to kindergarten, they like cry because they miss their mom. But with twins, it's like you can throw us into the kindergarten and we'll still have fun because we're together. It's like our comfort zone. You yeah. always have that kind of yeah. team. Would you be comfortable walking that road alone as well? Let's say if Raul or what was your name, Raman? <laughs> Raul, yeah. Was, were to say that, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go back to Estonia. Would you be comfortable walking that road alone? 
okay, Raul, I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make movies anymore. I'm, I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> Let's see how you handle it solo. Fuck Christopher Nolan. Raul Esco is here. I'm going to be the best filmmaker ever. Fuck Romat. Fuck everybody. Would you stay here at that table or would you walk away as well? At this podcast or like <laughs> in filmmaking? I think. Well, now I'm curious what you think about the podcast. <laughs> Why do we love it? <laughs> We're always having such a good time with you. But I think like universe has given us a gift of being together or being born together. Then we must take maximum advantage of this situation. And we'll do it as long as we like it. If we want to go our separate ways, maybe we can do like even more. Like we both do a feature at the same time. Okay. More and more. more. More and more and more, like they taught you in the UK. So, you know, being twins and doing everything together, you have created this joint brand called Escobros. Was that always an obvious thing to do? Or how did you decide to start doing projects as Escobros instead of Raul and Romatesco? Yeah, I think uh, when we were in high school, we was known as the twins. People would be like, oh, Goxicud, or like uh, Escos, mm-hmm. or Escobros. Kind of picked up the name. It's like Werner Bros, Escobros. I, yeah. I don't remember when we came up with that, but mm-hmm. it's kind of genius, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does Escobros represent only your own projects and writing, or does it also represent the things that you've directed, but not necessarily written? Whenever we have touched enough of it that we're happy with it but there have been also some projects which we have been directing but haven't been our uh, our vision so we're like no you, you don't have to mention that it was us <laughs> <laughs> mention it was the other guy making music videos <laughs> what if one of you decides that i'm gonna make this project but the other one is kind of like not i don't really want to do it you know for example as it happened in high school with that project. We do have like mini meetings uh, whether we should pick up some projects because we try to pick ones that are like uh, strategic that move us forward. Mm-hmm. But I think if if one of us thinks some project is not worth it, we usually don't do it. Or we uh, look at the pros and cons. And the Escobros brand is getting more and more known partly because you're also very active on social media. You have over 8,000 followers on Instagram. You also do some YouTube, some TikTok. So do you feel like being active on social media has contributed to you getting some of the projects? Definitely, yeah. I think we, in Estonia we got known when we did like an ice cream commercial. Okay. And it was like people would come up on, us on the street and be like, oh, fuck, I know you guys, you're the ice cream commercial dudes. So <laughs> give me your Instagram. And then they start following us and then they kind of realized Oh, okay, these guys make movies. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. How have you managed to get such a following? Are you good at marketing or do you just post fire content? We would like to get 10,000 and maybe we can give some tips. But we also do put a lot of effort into Instagram posts. There have been like moments where we're sitting behind the table doing Instagram posts for like many hours and mm-hmm. writing the caption is like, yeah, fuck. I think they should have like a meaning as well or like a purpose would bring a new idea into the digital feed. How fake is it? Or, you know, how much do you actually try to make the perfect post? Or what do you, what do you think? Like somebody who watches Escobro's Instagram, is that how your life actually is? Definitely. There's like a, like a digital version of us is like a persona in ways. Yeah, but I think it's like a real 
real part of us that has started growing as followers grow. There's like a crazy version of Escobro Raul who's like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yes, <Let's> baby. Kuma <laughs> check it. Oh yeah. Let's smoke weed and shoot music videos. <laughs> yeah, so this actually. is like a version of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, people know you as Escobros and I assume that especially being twins and, you know, doing everything together, your own identities can get pretty cloudy because you're two individuals, right? So what's the main difference between yourselves and the brand persona Escobros? Escobros is way cooler. <laughs> but oftentimes when people meet us who've seen us only on digital, they're like surprised that we're uh, actually quite decent or humble humans. Sometimes here we really walk around with ski masks and then People look at us like we're like uh, sick humans and then we're actually like, oh, hey, sir, nice to meet you. So what do Raul and Ramit like to do in their free time? We go to the gym a lot and we do yoga. We went back to boxing. We used to do it uh, before high sc- before uni, for seven years, I think. Now last week we was at an event and kind of got, got the itch back. Do you guys have like a yoga routine? Yeah, we do this online uh, course uh, or a portal called Allo Moves. It's like Netflix yoga. Yeah, they have many courses. We do like uh, strength yoga, yeah. mobility, flexibility. We're really flexible. Sometimes also like traditional or like in yoga when you're like in one pose for uh, like a minute. But that's more like, mm-hmm. I think we're more into uh, fitness yoga where you get to sweat and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That how half an hour sucked. <laughs> so do you do it every day? Uh, pretty much every morning. Yeah. So what would happen if you stopped doing yoga for a week? Yeah, our mojo kind of goes down if we don't get uh, enough of physical activities. When we have like a lot of projects, uh, even when we did the feature, we still did yoga every morning. Sometimes you get like a lot of ideas running all the time. But yoga is like you can go in there and just do this one moment and not think about anything. You said you were doing yoga during the shooting period. So is that something you like to do in stressful situations? Yeah, yeah, just all the time. Dylan Werner is like one of our yoga mentors and we follow him and we've been doing his courses. And I also bought his book, it's called Illuminated Breath. It's like about a very deep dive into like breathing practices. Uh, also something that has uh, kind of next level us i think mm. like conscious breathing i've thought about picking up yoga like so many times but i kind of you know it's it's you know it's hard for me to find kind of like a routine i think you can try dylan Werner. maybe you also get into it i would have to start with like short ones like 10 15 like 20 minutes when you get addicted to getting better in those mini poses then it's like normal part of your day yeah that's actually something i was talking about in my second episode of the show once you start getting better at things you actually start to enjoy them so looking back into your career what are you the most proud of one of our proudest moments will be tomorrow when we actually graduate as master degree students mm-hmm. this will be great cool it's been such a long uh, journey since first grade 17 years of school yeah that shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and once you get out of school, you can actually start living your life. I think the best moments are when we're like uh, like Twin Turbo, that teachers at school 
tell us that it's a bad idea, it's too ambitious, but we still kind of like believed in it ourselves and uh, went for it. Or did something not somebody else wanted us to do, but took a risk and did something we wanted to do. You know, the road to success is never a straight line. It usually goes up and down, and, but I think that's what makes us grow and kind of, you know, I've always enjoyed the journey. You know, I, I feel like if I were to get to where I want tomorrow, there would be no success story. That's why I feel like the journey is the most important thing. It's, it's more important than the, than the actual goal sometimes. So what has been your biggest challenge in your journey so far? At the moment, it feels like reaching out from Estonia might be hard, but nothing is hard. Everything is easy. It's just one step at a time. All work is light work. You know, besides the emotional struggles, as artists, we sometimes also struggle financially because it's not a steady, you know, job. Have you ever had side jobs at all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to work in our local cinema, the popcorn kitchen, in a fast food joint called Fofas, making pitas. Everything we got from the pita place. That one uh, we all spent for like new lenses and some sound to make the first film with it. Okay. Yeah. We actually also had one more job. It's uh, we was Thai boxing trainers for like small children, mm -hmm. but that kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because they don't listen. A few of my summer jobs were like, you know, going to events and being like kids entertainer. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah, fuck kids. Kids can be hard sometimes. Your it's brain hasn't developed. You're not ready for the world yet. <laughs> But you know, the self-employed lifestyle can take quite a toll on one's mental health. Um, how do you take care of your mental health? I think we watch a lot of movies and uh, actually most of our lives we do work on projects. We keep our minds occupied and when we don't work, then we uh, like to surround ourselves with friends. Sometimes when it's making so many movies and trying to make up all these ideas and it's cool to try something else. Mm -hmm. Like paint or draw or sing very badly <laughs> in the shower. Yeah. So um, talking about your upcoming projects, do you have anything going on right now that you can tell us about? Yeah, I think we're going to shoot our first uh, music video here in London for a local artist. Is it going to be our first kind of time working with a, a foreign artist? Uh, we've done some in one in Finland. But yeah, in the UK, the first one. Mm -hmm. You're excited about that? Totally. It's gonna be fire. In drama school, they told us to do like a five-year plan for our careers, like very detailed one, and then COVID hit. So, you know, five-year plan might not be the most reasonable things to do, but do you like setting goals for yourself? We do have a plan written down. It also has uh, the Oscars. Uh, sometimes we practice our speech in front of the mirror. It's like a manifesto of... Uh goals and targets. We'll aim for Mars and mm -hmm. we'll see where we land. Shoot for the moon and even if you miss, you're gonna land among the stars or whatever the quote was. Yeah, we want to make movies until we make one that is truly exceptional. Someone asked us, or asked, yeah, who would you want to collaborate with, like Chris Nolan or something? Carol said, fuck Chris, we need to be the new Chris Nolan <laughs> filmmaking world champion title. I saw a video where they asked Elon Musk if he could live forever would he do so? And he thought about it. He was like, no, I wouldn't because then, you know, the society wouldn't grow. The same thing with what you said was that if you became the next Chris Nolan, nothing in the filmmaking landscape would change. Yeah, I think the reason why we like movies so much is like, in our eyes, it's the, the highest form of art that combines every art form into one piece. It has the most uh, power 
to give something to the viewers, to the audiences, like an impact. Yeah. I think we do want to make an impact. Make a movie that would change the world. If there's somebody who wants to do filmmaking, what's the first step? What should they do? Yeah, we watch a lot of YouTube content, like Lyrical Lemonade 2, they share like really cool BTS. Also Masterclass with James Cameron really inspired us. Masterclass with David Lynch. Spike Lee, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, all masterclasses are really good. Mm -hmm. Also, there's Inspiring. one really cool video on YouTube. It's like two guys spending a whole day with Steven Seagal. Yeah. So inspiring. And another tip for filmmakers, which like a hack in our life, is the skill of drawing. Mm -hmm. If uh, we used to draw a lot when we were growing up, I think it will be very useful for every film director if they can get an idea from their head onto the paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people who draw like shit, it's like, uh, it's embarrassing if you can't draw and trying to explain something. <laughs> if you draw like a stick figure, like, this is what I want. <laughs> you need to visualize your goal and then mm -hmm. do it. That's a good note to end with. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us today. Thanks for the audience watching, listening, wherever you are. We wish you the best in your future. Don't, don't do drugs and brush your teeth and get uh, eight hours of sleep. Thank you, Andre, for having us. That's a wrap, guys. This movie is